Hello again. I'm getting my exercise. I'm here. I wanted to just let you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're launching a new series today called Love in High Definition. And uh, if you're thinking, why are we talking about love? Valentine's Day is over. Is that how you are with holiday? That's how I am. You go in the store. I was in a Walgreens yesterday, and the shelves that were packed with all like the, the, the Valentine's Day you know, toys and candy, it's now gone and it's all Easter. And then there's like a little part that's St. Patrick's Day. And I'm thinking, you know, no wonder I get over holidays so quickly because you go in a store and it's like, where's the, the Valentine's candy? What's on the 50% off rack? So it is like a bonus. But if you're like me, sometimes Valentine's Day, you're like, okay, no more of this love stuff. Uh, but you know what? Love is one of those words that we use uh, today in our culture, and you probably use it in your, in your life, and it has a variety of meanings. In fact, love is probably one of the most overused words um, that, you, that you use, that we use. You, you see it all over the place. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, love, maybe our own understanding of it, maybe the culture's understanding of it, and then we're going to dig into what the Bible has to say about it. And we want the clearest picture of what love is according to the Scripture. We want to know really, how does God see love? And how does that help us? How does that maybe unlock some things in our life that that could be a blessing to us, that could be a blessing to those that we uh, do relationships with? And so this idea of a clear picture, that's why we want this love in in high definition. And when you look at a high-definition TV, if you're like me, it kind of opens up a whole new world. You watch sports, and you could see like the blades of grass, and they wave at you. And you actually can see like the ball that they're playing with it. It's not blurry. But for me, I never thought I needed a high-definition TV until I looked at one and compared it to my current TV. And that's how it is. It's like when you see the new technology, there's this part of you that's like, well, that blurred picture doesn't cut it anymore. I wanted to show you a couple pics. This is a standard definition uh, pick of some, some flowers. And then go, go to the high definition. Now, granted, this isn't like a high definition projector. You're like, that's not that great. It's a lot better on my monitor. Trust me. Okay? <laughs> go to the next one. This is a little comparison. Okay, you see? Now, if you're looking at the standard definition, that actually doesn't look bad. But when you look compared to the high, you really do see a difference. And go to the next one. This is my favorite one. So I have two TVs in my house. I have a standard definition, I have high definition. When I'm watching soccer, guess which TV I go to? The one where I could see the leg kicking the ball. That's the one. But you know what? Our relationships are are kind of like a a TV set. Uh, They can be blurry. Uh, They can kind of have this just static in them when things aren't clear, the communication breaks down. There's just a part where... we want this picture of how we thought it should go, but we're in this relationship with a coworker, we're in this relationship with a spouse, or in a relationship with our kids, and it's just, it's blurred. And it doesn't seem like the picture that you thought, but the way you're experiencing it is it's just, it's just a blurred image. The audio doesn't work right. There's just this discontentment with, oh man, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And what we want to look at is, is how, does, how does God show us this right kind of love that, that actually is in high definition. What, what is that kind of love? Because all of us have been disappointed by relationships that we've been in. 
uh, with friends or family, loved ones, people that we care about. And, and we, we felt that just discontentment or that, that gap of what we thought was going to happen and what actually did happen. And somewhere in there is, is, is love, and we're not exactly sure how that translates into this relationship with a person. So it really, it really can be very confusing. You can be disappointed. Um, but Jesus, Jesus does want to help us. Uh, he doesn't want this discontentment, this disillusionment, just this fuzziness about relationships and, and love to, to stay. He wants to actually open our eyes to, to see clear, to see really love uh, how he has designed it. And today's message is called, what, what Matters Most? And that really is the truth. Love matters most to God. And so we're going to spend the rest of the morning kind of looking at what that means. In Galatians 5, 6, you'll see that on your outline on the screen. It says, as far as our relationship to Christ Jesus is concerned, what matters is a faith that expresses itself through love. And there's this connection between faith and love. And your relationship with Christ, like we talked about last week, is really built upon faith. It's a belief. It's a trust that you're not exactly sure how everything's going to work out, but you, you decide that God is the God that will come through for you. And anytime you lean on something or someone, that, that's faith because you're trusting that that will withhold the burdens of your life. And our relationship with God is like that, where it, it can never be disconnected by faith, but really love is a picture of it. It's, it's, it's faith that's working with love. And so we're going to kind of talk about what, what that means. Uh, but before we do that, let's kind of unpack a little bit about our definitions of love. Because the way we define love really does determine its impact in our, in our life. And I'll be the first to admit it, like, when I grew up, I loved playing soccer. And like, I love donuts. Like, I really do. But I also love my wife. And I love my kids. And so it's kind of like, well, I love donuts. And then it's like, hey, I love you, babe. And you're like, well, that's kind of weird. One's a donut and one's my wife. And I better send the Valentine's card to the right one. Right? Enough of that. Let's go to Webster. These are some definitions. A love, a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, attraction based on sexual desire, Affection based on admiration or common interests, or it's a warm enthusiasm or devotion, or it's a beloved person, or it's unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. It's a God or of love, an episode love affair, the sexual embrace, or a score of zero. Now, a score of zero is my fate. I was like, what? Then I remembered like growing up, I watched Wimbledon, which is like the English tennis tournament, and I just love 15. Love. It's zero. Remember? I just think that's funny. It's all these definitions. Then a score of zero, and you're like, what? Oh, yeah. There's one sport in the world that calls zero love. See what I mean? See the confusion? It makes no sense. But it's great when you use it. Never. Because you've never probably used that for a sport. But picking the right definition is really crucial. So what's the best definition of love? So let's just say you pick kind of your top three. Let's just walk through this. Say your first one is, okay, it's affection based on admiration or common interest. Say you're going to take a multiple choice quiz, and I say, choose the one that you think best defines it. Well, if you choose affection based on admiration or common interest, 
What happens when the common interests change? Or somebody annoys you? What, what then? That's not good. What about a strong affection for another rising out of kinship or personal ties? Uh, that's inconsistent. Because of attraction, it, it could be strong, it could not be strong. So what then? Love changes. That's kind of confusing. Or if it's attraction based on sexual desire. This is the foundation of, of your marriage. What happens when you grow old and less desirable? If it's all about attraction, how many of you look at your wedding picture and think, man, I've gotten better since then? Right? Like ours is like displayed on the bookcase and you look like, wow, I look good. And you look in the mirror, you're like, I don't anymore. My wife wouldn't say that, but let's be real. Like I was younger, I was in more shape. I'm glad my wife didn't base her complete love on how I looked at that point. So I was 21 years old and I'm not anymore. You could see the, the way you see love really determines its impact and how it's going to play itself out as you relate to others. If, if you have the wrong definition, this ties back to this idea of having the clear picture. If you have the wrong definition, it's really like looking at a standard definition TV and you think that that's the clearest picture. It's until you get the right definition that you actually get the right picture of love. And then you look at your old definition. You look at the experiences you've had based on how you viewed people based on love or how you've experienced love from others or how you've extended it. And you start to see, okay, wait a second. This picture doesn't match that picture. And then you have to make a choice. Well, which one's right? So this is where God enters. And through Jesus, he has shown us what real love is. Jesus shows us the highest definition of love. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So this is, love is, is sacrificial love. This is love in high definition. It's a sacrificial love. That's translated in laying your life down, your interests, your goals, deciding to put someone ahead of yourself, like Jesus did. And how do you know that Jesus did? Well, one of the most famous verses in all of the scripture is John 3.16. I just read 1 John 3.16, but John 3.16 is one of the most famous verses. For me, it was like the first verse I memorized. If you're not sure, John 3.16, that's the one at the, the ball game where they hold the sign up. I mean, that's how famous this is that you, any sporting event, there's one guy. John 3.16, I love it. John 3.16. Every event, except golf. That needs to, like, we need to get that in golf. He's up to the T and just the guy. But you see it all over the place. And I, I don't know if the people know holding the sign, what it says, but, but this is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's like the core of Christianity. It flows out of God's love for us that he gave up the only thing he had, his son, for us. That's the sacrifice. So we don't try to figure out the sacrifice by ourselves. It's actually God did it. 
Jesus himself, when he bore our sin on the cross, that was the sacrifice. So let's break that down. For God so loved the world. Love starts with him. He initiated love. In fact, the Bible says we, we don't love because it was our idea. We love because he loved us first. But it was his idea. And he gave his, his only son. Um, he did this because we decided to go our own way. The way he created the world with Adam and Eve, it was a perfect world, but man just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And since that time, there's been sin. And through sin, there's separation. And because of God's love, Jesus is the way back. So he loved us first. He sent Jesus because he didn't want us to go our own way. And that if we believe that, that God is who he said he is, and Jesus is who said he, who said he was, and he did what he said he did, then, then we could not perish but have eternal life. So this, this isn't just a mushy term, a term that we just celebrate once a year during Valentine's, like, hey, I love you, or, you know, to the different things that we say love too, but this is the picture of love. It's this idea that you're destined for separation. You're destined for a life without God. But by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we actually can experience new life, a better life. That's love. John 3, 16. It's more than the sign at the game. It really is this picture of sacrificial love that, that Jesus wants to extend us, wants to extend to others. There was a definition on the, the Webster's that I want to go back to because it, it's probably the one that closely resembles this kind of love. And it's unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. I want to give you a little quiz this next week, okay? This is like not on the paper, but it might be fun. I want you to listen to a song about love, okay? Just on the radio. Just hear a song about love. And think, okay, out of those definitions that we've looked at, what kind of love is that song talking about? Just do it. See, see, see if you can kind of pull out the kind of love. Because you hear love songs, but if you actually don't really listen to what the, the, the song is saying, you may not have an idea of what kind of a love they're talking about. But most love isn't this kind of love. This is kind of uncommon. This idea of sacrifice for others, that's not something that, that comes natural to us. So I want to break down. We're going to be going over just love for the next six weeks. And if you're a guy, you're like, seriously? Like, did you say six? If you're a woman, you're like, I'm inviting all my friends. This is going to be the greatest series of my life. Right? Can you even talk about love for six weeks? We're going to try. It starts today. But love is something that we have to break down because it's confusing. It is to me. These are some of the things we're going to talk about. A love is a sacrifice. We're talking about that today. Uh, love's not a feeling. It's a choice. Uh, this is where faith comes to play. Uh, when you choose to love somebody and you don't feel like it anymore, that actually does take faith. When you serve somebody, this is what we talked about last week. If you serve somebody out of love and you're meeting their needs, it takes faith because you have needs. And you hope God will take care of you. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, love is a verb. It, it's something that, that we do. I'm a total word guy. Like word, I love words. 
Like, I, I love to tell my kids, like, me and my son, Levi, it's my, my middle child, he's like me. We'll be walking somewhere, and he's just like, I love you, Dad. He's like, I love you. And then he'll say it, and he'll say it until I acknowledge it. That's what I love, too. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Actually, Levi talks like that normally. I love you. But you haven't said it yet, so I'm going to keep on. But love is more than just the word. That's why I say, then clean your room. I'm just <laughs> I'm making sure you guys are listening. Love's a sacrifice, Levi. Get up there. Just kidding. We wait till they're five. He's only four. But it, but it is a verb. It is something that you do. Love, love is also a commitment. And that's crucial because in today's age, love is really anything but that. We don't want to commit to people. We don't want to com- commit to things. But if our love is based on attraction or a feeling and that fades, then we want to bail. This is why divorce is so high. So many homes are broken. But love is, is a commitment. And so one of the greatest kind of passages for me that, that helps me with this idea of love, and I think it will be a help to you, is known kind of as the love chapter. It's 1 Corinthians 13. And you may have seen it at weddings, Valentine's card that you bought for your loved one. But it actually just is packed with kind of description after description of love. And so I, I want us to, to talk about that, and this is going to be the basis for the next six weeks. Let's look at what 1 Corinthians 13 says about love. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to kind of talk about each verse. Love matters most to God. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but if have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as, so as to remove mountains, kind of what we talked about last week, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, the writer in this is a first century church star named Paul, and he, in ver- chapter 12, is talking about spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are given to everyone who it's committed their life to Christ to build the church, to help it accomplish its mission. And what he's saying is all of you have different gifts that you've been given. You also have some different skills and you have some different talents. But let me just break this down for you, all these people that are trying to figure out their role in the church. It doesn't matter if you do all these things. If you, have, if you don't have love, it, it doesn't make a difference. If you don't have love, it won't accomplish what it needs to accomplish. So if you're busy doing all these stuff, and it's good stuff, and it's helping people, but it's not really flowing out of love, the Scriptures say it, it, it's, it's nothing. Now, spiritual gifts aren't a waste, but it's putting really this, this umbrella over the gifts that we've been given. It's really putting an umbrella over the church. Our purpose, and that is it, everything is, is fueled, it's fueled by love. In fact, 
He wants love to fuel everything that we do. If you put the wrong fuel in your car, it will not work. It's the same in relationships. It's the same as we work with others. If the love isn't right, we don't really have a clear view of how we're supposed to treat others. These relationships break down over time. It's inevitable. So let's look at, let's look at each, each verse here. Let's unpack this some more. Uh, so if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Basically, it's saying if, if you think the words that you speak, what you say is, is really to make you look good and to impress Relationships will break down. People won't trust you because they know that you're just speaking kind of to make yourself look good. It's the wrong motive. It doesn't help others. God can't use you. Uh, Second verse, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So if you know tons and tons about the Bible and somebody could come up to you and say, what does that verse say? And you could just do You can just recite it. But after you've done reciting that, the way you treat your kids is is not loving. The way you treat your spouse is not loving. The way you relate to your coworkers, you know, you don't really sacrifice. In fact, you, you try to kind of get in front of them to get promoted or to get things that you want. All that knowledge is, it's a waste. This is like just not pulling any punches. Verse 3, if I, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. We just got done talking about love and sacrifice. But if you sacrifice and love is not there, this verse saying it, it, you, you gain nothing. It's of no advantage to you. If you have ulterior motives, uh, it's a worthless effort. We should hear these words and really take them to heart. This is a a warning. It's a question that we should be asking ourselves. The question is, why am I doing this? Is it out of love or, or is it for me? And if you're like me, we have mixed motives all the time. And this isn't ever going to be this pure process where we get it exactly right. Hear me on that. I want to share a story. Actually, it was funny. I was thinking about this story, and I realized it was actually Valentine's Day about 12 years ago. I went to the mall to buy some perfume for my girlfriend, who's now my wife. So I was a good gift giver, okay? It worked. As I was coming out the mall, I was, you know, I was feeling good about myself. Like, yes, I got the Valentine's Day gift. And, you know, she's going to like it. And I see this woman who's like, She's got like holding on to a kid and I'm in college and she's holding on to a kid. She's trying to get a stroller into the car. And I was just like, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm going to go help her. She needs help. And so I, I grabbed the stroller and put it in and I closed the car and she's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, or, you know are you single? And it kind of turned weird. And I was like, yeah, but like I got perfume. So no. And anyway, long story short, I, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, well, good thing I was there to rescue her, right? So then I go back to my truck, and I realize 
I left my car on and I locked the keys in my car. So then I was like walking, I was like, damn, I helped, I helped her. This feels good. And, and I go to open my car and I was like, now I need help. And she looked at me and it was like, then I was trying to fake it like, oh yeah, car's looking good. Go around to the other side. Please be unlocked. Please be unlocked. That side looks good too. And I'm, I'm serious. She's looking at me and I'm playing a game. Like I'm not, then I, I'm going to the rear. There's the, re- I was in a truck, you know, and so they have the rear. It's like, oh, what's that? That's locked too. And then she looks at me and, and I, I turned red. <laughs> this is embarrassing. But I was like, I locked myself out. She's like, oh, let me, let me call my husband. And I didn't say this before. When she said if I was single, it was for a friend. It wasn't for her. She had a husband. That, that would have bugged me. I'd have to call all of you. But so so she, she's like, oh, let me call my husband. And then all of a sudden I was like, thanks. And I was just sitting there and the husband came and he was like at work. He had to leave work. <laughs> still hurts. And he's got his little thing and, and, you know, I'm trying to small talk. Hey, thanks, man. You know, what do you do for a living? And, you know, I, I help people who lock their keys. You know, he didn't say that. But. So he unlocks it. And, and I was driving away and I said, thanks. And I was driving away and, and, and it was God spoke to me. And it was like, you, you're not the superstar. And you were feeling pretty good about yourself, but you're not the superstar. And I just, you know, I drove and I thought, you know what, that's exactly, I, I needed that. I thought I was, I thought I was great. And I thought I was sacrificing. And this woman that I was sacrificing for had to stay in the parking lot longer, wait till her, get, call her husband out of work to come help me. Man, God used that. That's what this is talking about. It's this idea of my motives were completely to help myself. I didn't love. I did not love. It was for me. It was to make me look good. So it, it kept, it really did keep me in check. It keeps me in check to this day. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because acting out of self-interest, over time, it, it really makes relationships die. Most people that you relate to, they know your motives. And even if they don't, if you're really seeking yourself and maybe even kind of have it with a mask of love, you're really not fooling anyone. And God knows. So he wants to break us out of this this tiresome effort that we just get labored with, this pressure to do all these things when... It really isn't about doing all the things. It's really coming from this thing of you really do want to extend the love of Almighty God to, to others, not for yourself, not to make yourself look good, but, but to make Him look good. It flows out of His sacrifice and His love for us. That's the fuel. And that's the, that's the hope that we have. And when love fuels our efforts, life Life really is enriched. And this sounds 
you know, like, well, yeah, this, this is great. It makes complete sense. But it, it really is more than just an idea. It's something that God wants to translate into how we live our life. And so I want to just give a few things that you could make the shift from self-interest to sacrificial love. The first thing is move from expecting to be served to serving others. A wise man told me, you know, if you're at home and you want something done and you're thinking to yourself, when will that person do it? He said, why don't you do it? Because I don't want to. But that's this. Stop expecting for somebody to do something for you and do it. Take care of it. Serve them. This could be at work, the kitchen is a mess, and it seems like you're always the one that has to do it and you're tired of it. Maybe you could still do it. It's not saying people trample on you and you just keep doing things and people take advantage of you, but there's a point in which you, you just, this is what sacrifice is. It, it hurts at times. You know, at home, if there's chores, what can you do? At church, you know, you have to wake up early week after week and you're tired of doing that. This is part of how you love the church. It costs you your sleep. And that's not fun, but it helps us do what we need to do. That's a picture of love. Number two, you could move from wanting to be understood to understanding others. I'm not good at this because remember, I'm a words guy. So I think the more I say, the more it's clear. This is something I'm trying to work on even in my relationship with my wife right now. Because she'll start talking and then in, something in my brain clicks over. It says, you've understood enough. Now respond. It just happens. It's just like enough words. Now give response. I start to give response. And then I explain just what should happen and what should do. And, and then come to find out like that was already done. But I didn't hear her. So then I have to like change the reflex. Don't open your mouth, stupid. Just don't open your mouth. Listen. But I want her to understand me. Trust, she knows that you want to say something right now. Depending, if you're the talker in the relationship, you know exactly what this is like. If you're not the talker, you're like, all right, I'm buying five of those CDs. This, but it's a, it's a struggle. It's just, it, it's a battle. We want to be understood. And oftentimes that means then at the cost of understanding somebody else. It's the same with kids. It's actually worse with kids. Because we're adults. But there's sometimes where you can actually listen to a kid and they can give you a real clear picture of what's going on with them or the situation. And you hate it when it happens. Sometimes your kids see something and they, they just call it exactly like it is. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, they're understanding some things now. And it kind of puts a little fear in you because you're like, uh-oh. But it, 
But it's true. Understanding your kids, that's important. And the third thing is, is move from praising your own actions or motives to encouraging those around you. We, we all want to be acknowledged, appreciated. There's just something in us where that just, that's the fuel we want. We think that's the fuel that keeps us going. When somebody acknowledges us, when somebody appreciates us. It's actually counterintuitive. It's, it's when you do that to others, that's when you're really expressing the love that Jesus expresses to us. And so those are just three things just that you could shift in, in your mind. And so I, I encourage you to do that. But as we talked about this, and as we're going to spend after this five more weeks talking about love, just think, how, how different could this make just in your relationship with those in your family? Maybe your siblings or your parents, your spouse, your kids. Just if you did those three things. You, you look to serve. You look to, to listen and understand them. Imagine what a difference that could make. Or at work, if you really did look to help a coworker with their goals, what kind of a difference would that make in the relationship with that coworker? What kind of a difference could that make in, in the company? Granted, you're not dropping all the things that you have to do. But if you can help them, what kind of a difference could that make? So this is where Jesus really does make a difference when it comes down to all the details of life, if we decide to treat people in the way that he wants us to, out of how he's treated us, life is so much sweeter. And we're going to have to stand ourselves down. We have to challenge ourselves and we're going to have to clear up relationships when we mess this up and when we say things we shouldn't say. But the bottom line is, is, is life is better because this is how God has designed it. And so I hope you can come back for the rest of the series and invite a friend as well. As we close, I want to just walk through a few next steps that you can take uh, as you look to, to apply this. The first is to memorize 1 John 3.16. Uh, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Second is identify one relationship where selfishness has ruled over love. Ask God for help and think of one way you can love that person. Third is uh, signing up for a life group. You can mark that on there. If you want to attend the quiet time class, uh, you can mark that. Uh, we also have a one-on-one class and a 201 class. The 201 class is for people that have completed the membership process at Church in the Valley. looks deeper into spiritual disciplines. If you've not attended 201 and you're a member of Church in the Valley, I encourage you to do that. That could be a big help to you as well. So I'm going to pray, and as the band comes up, why don't you mark a next step, and as the offering comes uh, by, you can drop that in there. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for for the love that you really do show to us and just how it expresses itself in the grace that you give and how patient you are with us. And so I, I just want to acknowledge that you are the God who 
has completely shown us love. And because of Jesus, uh, whom you gave, whom you sacrificed, uh, we really do have an opportunity to experience this love, to have a different kind of life because of, because of Jesus. And we thank you for that. And I pray, God, that if there's any just disillusionment in relationships or apathy or even just some division where just something is not right, I, I pray that you'll show us, that you'll give us just an opportunity to kind of see what's going on and see it for what it really is and uh, give us just the grace and the words to fix it, to, to, to really sacrifice for the, for the sake of the relationship. So we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.